Touchdown! Kansas City jumps on top. Under pressure, going to throw it deep, has his man open down the middle of the field, and he's got it! A.J. Brown to the end zone for the touchdown! And welcome everyone, this is DLC, the Dynasty League chat where we talk about our home league, our favorite Dynasty League, the Loma Linda United League. I'm Arthur and I'm joined, as always, by DJ and Mike. What's up DJ, how are you? I'm doing great man, excited to record our very first league podcast and uh, in the process talk a little bit of shit <laughs> on everyone else and each other. How's it going Mike? Good. Uh, excited to get through our uh, first inaugural episode here. And yes, DJ, talk a lot of shit. Yeah, this is exciting. We're actually doing it. So we just finished our rookie draft not that long ago. Um, and this year was obviously interesting because of all this craziness going on. I mean, the NFL draft itself. Wow. I mean, it was like the event of the year. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there, you know, it happened during the uh, COVID lockdown. So um, obviously there was like no sports at all except for the NFL draft. And it was pretty exciting. I mean, they, uh, I think they did a good job with the, uh, you know, the telecasts or the online, you know, live broadcasts. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, you know, being dynasty aficionados, uh, we were definitely very online with all of it, you know, even through the second round, third round, fourth round. Um, so it was great. It was, and it offered a little uh, respite from uh, all the craziness in the world. I mean, if, if anything, we're all, you know, itching to get back into football here and get some sort of a uh, normalcy. It's crazy times for sure. Um, I mean, it looks like we're getting plans to have the NBA back, but there's still so much uncertainty uh, everywhere. I think um, it just makes the rookie draft this year that much more memorable. Yeah, for sure. So for this episode, we're going to go through and try to get through the first couple rounds of our rookie draft. Um, but we want to kind of go through and recap the draft. And, you know, of course, if any of our league mates are listening, um, everything we're saying, we're lying. So, you know, there's not going to be any competitive advantage that you get from us. <laughs> there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, basically. Yes. <laughs> it helps that the actual draft already happened. So, you know, it's, you know, whatever players we liked or didn't like, it's all set in stone now. Um, and so it should be interesting to go back over, especially this first round and see what our thoughts were. As we go through, we'll talk about some of the trades that have happened, but I think it's always fun to go back and just uh, look back at some of the, the way that these things unfolded. So, of course, Dan ended up with the 1.01 this year, the worst team in the league. Um, and so, he has the 1.01 and Han has the 1.02. And boy, having the 1.01 this year, um, you got to make a decision. It's easier for some people than others, but of course, Dan selected... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back from LSU, drafted at the back of the first round by the Kansas City Chiefs. And that, of course, that left the 1.02 to Han, who took Jonathan Taylor, running back out of Wisconsin, selected by the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I think, honestly, in this kind of situation, both of these backs are exciting. They both are promising. These two are in a tier of their own. I like both of them. Um, I just like one a little more than the other. Right. So, um, you know, there's definitely a tier 
which is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor at the very top of these rookie drafts. Um, very rarely do you see anyone else getting into those top two. So uh, I'm comfortable saying there's that very clear tear break there. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, pre-draft, you know, through the combine, didn't really wow anyone, ran a 4.640. Um, he's you know, a little smaller. He's 5'7", 207. And, um, you know, not a lot of people had him obviously, as their number one overall, but uh, getting drafted by KC, the Super Bowl champions, um, led by Patrick Mahomes and that explosive offense, uh, they take him as a first running back off the board at the end of the first round. And then boom, he's vaulted to that number one overall uh, spot, which seems to be holding through um, his ADP there. Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to go about it. Jonathan Taylor, he's an amazing prospect on his own. And uh, you can't go wrong with either. Uh, me personally, I probably would have, you know, I agree with you, Arthur, I probably would have taken JT here uh, in our league, especially given our scoring. And, uh, you know, we really, you know, are looking to get those, get those workhorse bell cow backs. And I think Jonathan Taylor has pretty much checks all the boxes in terms of production, college production, um, the way he, you know, he definitely stands out on the tape. And, um, but, you know, it, it, in terms of fantasy scoring, a lot of it is opportunity and landing spots. So I don't think you can go wrong with either. Yeah, I think um, when it comes down to these two, like you said, they're they're in a tier of their own. And I think within our respective league, where we play in a standard scoring league, uh, non PPR, um, uh, and I think if you're going for the long term play, um, I'd also take JT uh, in our league over over Clyde. I think if you're in a PPR league, then uh, you've got a much harder decision. Um, uh, bigger argument for Clyde, I, I would think as well. But uh, I, I think, again, for this year, if you're short term, and who knows how, how uh, Clyde's going to pan out long term, but I think Clyde would be the better short term play. But I think going forward from year two, um, JT has a pretty clear path, got all the measurables, um, looks like a beast and is built like a beast. And you have to wonder uh, when it comes to like goal line carries and whatnot, too, who's going to get that. I'm, I think it's pretty obvious that JT is going to get. Uh, those carries there with a better offensive line. Um, I think the only question mark with JT would be what happens when Philip Rivers is gone in year two or year three. It's always nice having Quentin Nelson blocking for you and with that rest of the with, with the rest of that offensive line versus uh, the offense that Clyde's actually in. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the current ADP. Obviously, Clyde is the kind of runaway 1.01 right now. You could have talked about Clyde Edwards Hilaire falling to where DJ was picking uh, originally, which was around the 1.12 region. That could have been a realistic possibility that he would fall to that level. And then, really, in in my pre scouting, you know, I had the top four running backs and. Clyde just obviously pops up, jumps in front of everyone and leapsfrog them. Um, you know, he goes to the most explosive offense in the league that just came off the Super Bowl. But if it was me personally, I love JT. I think he's the one-on-one in every format, including Superflex, to be honest with you. I mean, he has one of the best running back pro uh, prospect profiles of all time. He's the first and only college running back to have three straight seasons of 2000 all-purpose yards and then going to the draft like on a per season basis just the most productive 510 226 pounds he goes to the combine he drops the mic and puts down a 439 40 like his comps his dominator comps are like 
Saquon, Zeke, and he can catch too. He had a 10% target share when he was in Wisconsin. He has, like you said, Quentin Nelson and the rest of the guard play at, in Indianapolis. It's a perfect fit. And, you know, okay, he has a lot of quote-unquote wear and tear, right? But, you know, look at this. His first year, 299 carries for 1,977 yards, 13 touchdowns. After that, he got 307 carries, 2,194 yards, and 16 touchdowns. His last season, 320 carries, 2,003 yards, 21 touchdowns on the ground. And then he adds 250 air yards with five reception touchdowns. And out of all of that, not a single game missed from injury. He's got the miles, yeah, but he's just proven to you how durable he is. Give me JT, you know, Clyde Edwards is fine, but, you know, JT is kind of the type of back that you want to build your team around. I mean, but in the end, he's not on my team, so. (laughs) Uh, Brian Lee goes and takes J.K. Dobbins with the next pick uh, at the 103. Yeah, it's a great talent, great fit. I think uh, he's going to be really nice in that offense. Obviously, the running game is solid in Baltimore because you have the threat with Lamar Jackson. The only thing is he's not going to get any of the dump-off passes like you do in other you know, teams where the running backs are valuable from those receptions. Because if Lamar Jackson's faced with a dump-off situation, he doesn't have to do that. He can just tuck it and run. But, you know, JK, he's played in all the shotgun-heavy RPOs at Ohio State, just like the Ravens, so he fits right in. It's a, it's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, you know... I think that is also a definite landing spot boost that he experienced after the draft. He went to the, you know, historically successful uh, rushing attack in Baltimore, um, led by you know Lamar Jackson. But I think that in that area, there's a lot of people in that backfield still. Obviously, love him long term for dynasty. But this year, he might not get you know as much. Uh, of a workload as you would see for, you know, like uh, Clyde Edwards or Jonathan Taylor, but a uh, definite great spot there. I think for the most part, uh, the draft went pretty chalk in terms of what we see in the ADP and JK Dobbins is, you know, can't argue against that pick. He's going to have a clear path to a workhorse world probably as soon as next year, depending if you know, they release Mark Ingram after this season. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll go from there. I think also just in general, the talent can rise to the top. So even for this year, if, you know, a couple injuries, something happens there, he could, you know, automatically be kind of the RB1 in that offense. All right. So then Hyun is up next. And, you know, you can make a case for going running back chalk for the first five picks. Um, but you know, but I totally understand, especially in our league format, uh, taking a wide receiver here with the fourth overall pick. Hyun goes ahead and takes CD Lamb. He is probably very happy that CD fell to him, as I'm sure Jerry Jones is. Yeah, um, definitely don't think this is a bad pick or anything like that here. Probably the best wide receiver on the board. Um, it's just interesting to see how in this draft picks two through six uh, maybe two through seven the situations were a little muddled so it's not like any of these guys are going to a team or situation where they're the clear-cut number one but i think especially in our league like you said we require some pretty hefty receiver depth when we can start up to three uh even four actually 
taking CD here. Um, it's going to take some patience, but uh, that patience could definitely pay off. We're not really sure what's going to happen with Amari. And I'm saying that as an Amari Cooper owner, we're not really sure where he's going to be after in a couple of years here, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But definitely great prospect. Checked off all the boxes here and going to a pretty high powered offense. Just got to have some patience here. Yeah. I mean, CD Lamb really for me, was the number one wide receiver prospect in this draft. Uh, you know, there could have been an argument for Judy as well, maybe even Rager. Um, but just overall, I loved his prospect profile. Uh, he definitely is, at least to me, has the highest chance of becoming that alpha wide receiver one. Of course, you know, he does go to Dallas um, and they have a really good receiving core there. You know, Amari Cooper uh, has been great as the number one wide receiver ever since, uh, you know, he got traded to Dallas. Uh, Dak and Amari Cooper have had a great connection and they've elevated that offense. Of course, Michael Gallup, you know, kind of goes, you know, ever since CD was drafted people automatically think Gallup is just going to take a back seat but even he did a really good job last year had a great production uh is a good receiver on his own so you know in terms of you know fantasy wise yeah he's definitely going to be a wait and see type of prospect but I, I love his chances and uh if they can lock up Dak in Dallas and have that core there for at least the next three, four years, I think uh, you'll see, you know, some pretty good production, even out of possibly out of three wide receivers in that offense. Yeah, the team is stacked with receivers. Um, their offense is stacked, uh, but, you know, they are definitely behind Kansas City, probably the most explosive offense and the definitely the offense that I'm excited to watch. I mean, I don't think they're really equipped to play out of much other than 11 personnel for most of the time. So I do expect Gallup to still see the field, but definitely, boy, if I was a Gallup owner, yikes, you know. Uh, definitely not expecting big numbers or that continuous rise that I saw from his uh, great season last year. Um, you know, I remember when we were watching a lot of the college games last year. I mean, even when we were talking about this guy, I mean, talk about fun to watch, electric on the field, Jerry Judy uh, in Alabama. I mean, we have wide receivers of so many different archetypes. And in the end, it's all about different mechanisms to create separation or if you're not going to get separation get the hands or the body acrobatic ability athleticism to actually make the catch but jerry judy when you watch him play i mean he is like he is like a the bugatti of supercars right i mean he can accelerate like nobody's business and then he can stop on a dime the best brakes in the business and accelerate right back over again and he can create separation through his speed like that i love the talent i loved watching him play he was a favorite of mine i absolutely hate his landing spot i mean i i think drew lock is a bust i think elway is desperate to uh to try to say that he is actually drafted a successful quarterback because everyone that he has so far has been a bust 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 hey Take that back. That's going to be Hyun's starting quarterback this year, <laughs> apparently. This year with their offense, I mean, they're, this offense is loaded. They have Sutton who broke out nicely. Um, you know, they take uh, Jerry Judy. They have Hamler. They still have uh, the wide receivers that played pretty decent last year. But, you know, Drew Locke, I mean, look, Corden Sutton caught 22 out of his 40 targets. Um, 
for 280 yards and two touchdowns in five games with Drew Locke as a starting quarterback. Like, that's it. Like You talk about, oh, he had a great breakout, but really, you know, as soon as Drew Locke was his quarterback, his numbers plummeted. Um, and, you know, they got so they got Sutton, Fant, they have Judy, and they took Albert O, who's a huge red zone target monster. Um, you know, that... I just don't really see that offense. It's going to really hinge on Drew Locke, and I just don't see him. And not to mention, not to mention that, not to mention they have Melvin Gordon. Oh, uh, Philip Lindsay. And Philip Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he used to be on your team. I guess you just, you threw him away to me for a first round pick, which ended up being, uh, what, A.J. Brown? But uh, I mean, no, I totally agree with you. Um with Jerry Judy, uh, just, I think, uh, such a polished technician in the receiving game. His routes are so crisp, and uh, he's also a dynamic player. You know, it's not just one of those where, um, you know, it's just the route running. No, he he has a great route runner, but he's also a great uh, athlete as a receiver. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think they drafted a lot. Uh, and they really did want to create this, you know, ideal situation for Drew Locke. I'm still on the fence about it. I think we'll definitely see this year. Uh, I think there's really no excuses for uh, someone like him to perform given the weapons that were put around him. Um, but yeah, I mean, we also say that, okay, you draft talent, right? Best player available over necessarily situation. A lot of the time, because especially with receiver, because um, there's that developmental period often. And there's also the fact that things can change very quickly, you know, coaching changes, uh, you know, injuries, um, you know, contract issues, things like that. So um, I don't hate Judy here. Um, I think it would have been better to take a running back at that spot. We'll see how it all kind of plays out in the future, but it's going to be a while. You know, Mike, sometimes in life or in the draft, you receive a gift. You receive a present from another person in the league saying, here, take this gift, DJ, take this gift. Tell me how that trade went down. Uh, well, so I guess uh, Mingyu was supposed to pick at the sixth spot, 1.06. And uh, the day of his pick, he just texted me. Um, and, uh, you know, he was wondering if I, uh, he, he wanted to trade back. And then we, you know, had some discussions. We came down to Darren Waller and my pick at the 12th spot um, for his pick and Raheem Mostert. Um, and so, you know, he needed a, uh, a tight end. Um, and of course, Darren Waller last year blew up. Um, and um, so, you know, I thought, hey, I needed, I, well, I've always needed a running back. You know, I, uh, that's been the spot in my team that, um, you know, I've never really filled in the last few years. Um, and so I have carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift was available. Um, and so I took him at the sixth spot, you know, DeAndre Swift as a prospect, I thought he was top three. 
with uh, JT, uh, DeAndre, and J.K. Dobbins. Cam Akers is up there as well. Also having carry on Johnson and in a way kind of waving the white flag, I guess, because, uh, you know, it's obvious that Detroit um, were, was looking for an answer still at running back. I think he'll be slotted in right away for starters carries, and uh, he'll also be active in the passing game. And a lot of people hate, you know, they say that they hate that landing spot, and I get it. Um, Detroit really hasn't been known to be very kind for running back production, to put it lightly. But I think that with the offense that was there, if Matt Stafford could stay healthy, you know, when he was healthy, he was just blowing up. They were scoring points left and right. I think he has a good chance at production. So, yeah, that's pretty much how that trade went down. And uh, I was happy. Well, you shouldn't be happy because I completely disagree with everything you said. And I do hate <laughs> the landing spot. You know, uh, with the next pick, Mike, you took Cam Akers. So, what do you like about Cam Akers? I mean, I think uh, at this pick, it was pretty much a tear break after this. So I didn't really have anybody else in mind here. Um, I needed, a, I'm always happy to draft a running back, especially at this point in the draft where we can still get this much value. So I felt like I got a lot of value out of this pick. I think that in terms of the first seven picks here, Cam potentially has the clearest pathway to uh, potential touches for his first year. I think that you know he's going to be given every opportunity to to try and produce. Uh, even though they have Daryl Henderson, even though they have Malcolm Brown, I think they've both uh, tested both those guys out, and they've kind of proven that they probably can't handle the load. And that's not to say that Cam can handle the load, but uh, he has had experience with a, a terrible offensive line. And I know you guys can say what you want about the Rams' offensive line, but I'm banking on the fact that it's not going to be like that forever. You know, I know this. I know it looks really bad this first year, but. When it came down to me potentially picking DeAndre Swift and, and Cam Akers, I was definitely leaning Cam Akers. Definitely trust more in Sean McVay versus uh, Matt Patricia. I think DJ is probably the only team in the league where DeAndre Swift really made sense. Like you said, Arthur, <laughs> I think the 50-50 uh, timeshare uh, is potentially scary there. You can get vultured a lot of touches uh, over there in Detroit. And for me, it was clearly Cam Akers that at the sixth spot. But um, again, DJ situation, I think perfectly handcuffs him. And uh, I don't think he really much had much of a choice. So you're saying that you're saying DJ took a handcuff at the 1.06? I think so. Don't you agree? Yeah. 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 Let me explain to both of you why both of your guys are going to bust. I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, I mean, Detroit, oh my goodness. The freaking Lions, man. Like, they have Karrion, like Karrion Johnson is not bad. He's a good back. Like he's a really good back. And he's there for two more whole years. It's going to be a split. I mean, Swift is better. He's definitely better. But <laughs> because of Karrion, you had to take Swift. And now because you have both, basically you have to hope one of them goes down with injury for the other one to be viable. This is Matt Patricia's team. He was brought in to emulate the Patriots way. And we all know how the Patriots run their running back room. I mean, I understand you had to take that pick there and there's really, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, you know, I mean, one, 106 taking Swift is, is still a great value. So it's fine. Honestly, with Cam Akers, I am 100% on board with him as well. 
for him as a prospect, he went to the combine, he killed it. Uh, and he has that prototypical running back size and speed, like whatever you can possibly want from him. He really had no help in college with his line, um, but was still able to produce. And so in terms of pure production wise, I think he does have a better situation in the Rams for sure. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you well, you know, given my unique situation, but honestly though, when I look at Cam Akers versus DeAndre Swift, I still see DeAndre Swift as a higher rated prospect. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, it is a terrible <laughs> terrible landing spot on the surface. I really do think that eventually the talent will rise to the top. It might take a little while to get there. Uh, I'm okay with like a little kind of situation, kind of like Jamal Charles had to wait a couple years, you know, share carries, you know, with uh, guys like Thomas Jones and things like that. Yeah. You know, eventually. Um, and one thing he has going for him is that, you know, Stafford, this is assuming Stafford comes back and he's healthy and outside of number 11, he's desperate for a reliable target. Galladay is just not cutting it. Like if you go and watch Galladay's film, this guy has no separation, man. He's great at catching the ball, but every single time he's just got cornerbacks like draped all over him. You know, his touchdowns have been great, but he just has a complete inability to separate from cornerbacks. And he's proved that over the course of entire season. So in that kind of scenario, if you have Swift streaking on the inside, it's going to be such an easy target for Stafford. Um, so that's definitely one thing that he has going for him. Now, you know, as for Akers, boy, I mean, there's no question the Rams O-line is terrible. I, I think back to like when the Saints and the Rams had very similar offensive lines when Gurley and Kamara were both like basically the two best running backs. And uh, the Saints were able to reload a bit. Um, but the Rams, I mean, they could not, they, they traded everything away. They have a 37 year old Whitworth there and they have holes everywhere. It, I mean, yeah, Cam Akers is no stranger to a terrible line. He had the worst offensive line in college football. I think when you looked at the amount of yards produced credited to the offensive line versus the running backs at Florida state, uh, Cam Akers line was responsible for creating one yard for the whole season not per game for the entire season they were the worst and kmaker was still productive obviously he is great at improvising except except he is not good at reading zone which is exactly what mcfay likes to run that's his bread and butter the wide zone um, you know, so you get those combo blocks and the double teams and you secure the line at the first level, but then the RB has to make the read and that's Cam Akers' weakness. He can improve, you know, he can get better, but that was also Daryl Henderson's weakness and we saw him struggle every single time they ran zone run. Daryl Henderson, nothing, right? Uh, they, when they ran the power or the big gap, then yeah, then Daryl Henderson would find some room to wiggle. So you, we have to hope that K Makers is an upgrade from Daryl Henderson in that regard, in the in the zone 
schemes. Um, but, you know, Akers definitely has superior athleticism. You know, his jump cuts were really fun to watch. I mean, he, he was jump cutting for his life uh, as, the, as, the, as the defense came pouring through his O-line. He had to jump cut everywhere. Um, <laughs> but I think after these two running backs, you know, I mean, definitely this rounds out the top seven. These group of players are great and chalk. They're all great values here. I think they're all going to be good. Um, they all kind of went to pretty unfavorable landing spots in general, but I think there's a very clear tier break here. Now, at the 108, this was originally my pick, but it ends up in Jemin's hands, and he takes Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I don't think you can uh, go wrong with the next two picks between uh, Jefferson and Ragor. I love the landing spot. I think uh, in Minnesota's offense, they were easily able to support uh, Stefan Diggs and Thielen a couple seasons ago, and they both produ- produced two 1,000-yard WR1 seasons. So the target share should be there. The question mark becomes, does Thielen stay in the slot, which I do believe he will. I think Justin Jefferson will play a little bit in the slot, maybe a little bit outside. But I think, uh, again, he, he goes to an offense where people think it's mostly run-heavy, which it is. But, again, they were able to produce two fantasy-relevant wide receiver seasons with Dalvin Cook still being there. Uh, their tight end situation really hasn't changed much. So I think Justin Jefferson was one of the most pro-ready uh, receivers in this draft, and he steps into a very, very favorable situation here. Yeah, I mean, um, the next two picks, I think, are, you know, both – land in great situations. Um, Obviously, in Minnesota, Stephon Diggs went off to uh, the Bills vacating, you know, all those targets. And uh, in terms of Rager, you know, the Eagles have been needing, desperately needing wide receiver help for a long time. I mean, there are times um, last year, they were just you know, just decimated by injuries, uh, you know, just basically undrafted free agents out there um, catching balls from Carson Wentz. Honestly, me personally, I like Rager over Justin Jefferson as a wide receiver uh, prospect just because of what Rager can do, you know, like after the catch. I think he's just slightly more dynamic in that way, which I love, you know, just seeing having that upside. But I think here, Justin Jefferson can't complain. I think he's going to get massive playing time uh, right right away, um, and he's ready for it. So, uh, you know, can't hate the pick there. And then, of course, Rager went right after to Danny Yoon uh, at the nine spot. Yeah, I, I like Rager a lot too. I mean, getting Rager at the 109, easy money, easy money. I mean, he gets Rager drafted by the Eagles in the first round. That's exactly the draft capital that he needed to kind of book in his prospect numbers. I mean, he has a breakout as a true freshman at TCU um, and he has a great dominator rating. So he has a great breakout age. He's got the dominator rating. He's He's got great routes, great release. He's shifty. He's dynamic. He's not just, he's not just that speedster like Ruggs is, right? Rager actually has um, a much more kind of a Z wide receiver, like beating press coverage and attacking downfield type of a a technique to him. The Eagles are a dream landing spot. I don't know exactly how it's going to pan out for the wide receivers, but I mean, you can't really ask for a better starting point for Rager to thrive in. You know, Ruggs goes at the 110 position. This was originally uh, Richard and Doug's pick, but then of course they traded this pick plus a 
a boat load of other picks for a, a RB2 in Seattle who actually may be the RB3 now because they signed Carlos Hyde. So Are you talking about the guy with the hip issue? Yeah, no. I mean, you know, you really hate to see it when you have to spend three first-round picks to lock down one backfield, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do, man. Do you, though? You got to shoot your shot, bro. <laughs> you got to shoot your shot. I mean, okay, to, to be completely fair, they did get pretty unlucky with Carson just – I think we all wish something bad like that would happen when the trade went down because on paper it was a pretty scary trade. But uh, I definitely, I definitely didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the end, they were in the playoffs. Um, they ran it up against uh, Brashad Perriman, I believe, uh, and yeah, that was it for them. But you know, like you, when you're a team that's contending for a championship, sometimes you need to make take chances on players that can help you right away. And honestly, Carson was killing it before he got injured. You know, he was there um, basically three down back in Seattle, um, but just, just unlucky. Richard, if you're listening, I respect the move, bro. Okay. It was definitely the wrong move, but <laughs> I respect it and it just didn't work out. Then Dan goes ahead and takes Henry Ruggs with your pick. I mean, okay, Ruggs has the first round draft capital. Is he going to be a fantasy WR1? He's certainly going to get the opportunity. Right. Um, I think he's going to be one of those classic, more valuable as a football player than as a fantasy player type of uh, careers. You know, um, obviously, he has game-breaking speed, uh, runs a 4-2. In terms of that offense... I'm not exactly sure how much of it is really going to be spent on taking shots deep, especially with the uh, car there as the quarterback. Um, and, you know, even for that, you know, obviously that situation can change, you know, if uh, they decide to go in a different direction, draft a new quarterback, you know, who knows, right? Um, we've seen, you know, Ryan Tannehill was the one that came in and had a rejuvenation of his career. So maybe it can happen with Mariota. You know, it's, it's hard to see how much, you know, he's going to be fantasy relevant, especially in the early years. You know, if he had gone to obviously like a place like KC or something like that, that can, has a quarterback that can take advantage of his unique gifts, I'd be a little more confident in his prospects. But in the end, you kind of have to take him, right? He has the draft capital. He has a really elite trait. So, I, I, you know, I don't hate the pick at this, at this point, that's pretty much the end of, you know, the rest of the round one wide receivers. Right. So. Oh, Ayuk, Ayuk, yeah. Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you kind of have to take him there. So uh, I don't hate the pick there. Yeah. I think, um, Gruden being in the AFC West, people are saying that he might be fantasizing about, you know, having someone like Tyreek Hill on his team, but the problem is Derek Carr isn't Patrick Mahomes. Um, I do think Henry Ruggs is going to be a lot more than just some sort of field stretcher. And like you said, exactly, he's going to be a better real-life player than a fantasy player. But uh, we've been wrong before, definitely, on, on uh, players like this. Uh, definitely a little bit of like a OBJ factor with Henry Ruggs, but uh, only time will tell. Uh, definitely had great hands, great speed, a uh, little bit underrated, I would say, uh, coming out of Alabama. But the draft capital is there. 
Bigcock Mayock has made some pretty good moves in the past couple of years here, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I actually think Ruggs is, you know, he's, he's a good football player. And um, I think uh, if they use him in the right way, he could have a promising career, um, even fantasy-wise. Now, you know, in the Senior Bowl, there's always, there's always one guy that they talk about at the Senior Bowl. It's someone who stands out as kind of an alpha player. You hear a lot of praises about this player. People are talking about how they're shining, how they're playing during practice. And every year, this person that becomes this uh, kind of senior bowl favorite ends up breaking out. Last year, it was Debo Samuel. Before that, Cooper Cup was the guy. This year, that person, Denzel Mims. He fell a little bit in the actual draft, uh, but... So did DK Metcalf. So I'm not really worried about his actual draft capital. But yeah, I think Mims is uh, is a very fun and interesting pick to take here at the back of the first round. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, the player. Um, he plays strong at all levels of the field. Uh, he's 6'3", 200. He's got uh, runs a 4'3", And uh, yeah, he did fall a little bit uh, in the draft. I think that's partially also because this draft was so deep on the skill uh, position players, you know, uh, especially wide receiver. Um, so I don't really hold that against him. Um, he checks all the boxes, dominator rating, his prospect profile. But obviously, you know, the big question mark, I think, is, you know, what's his upside in an Adam Gase offense? You know, uh, do you believe in Darnold as the answer? in New York. Uh, but I think, you know, if he goes in there and he basically uh, just takes over that number one role, I think there's a great chance of him having, you know, great production, even in year one. Yeah, I think you can argue that out of all the receivers we've talked about, he actually landed in one of the best landing spots. Um, you can say what you want about the, the Jets, obviously, but uh, in terms of uh, target share and whatnot, he's going to be in position. He's he's really competing against nobody. He's got Le'Veon, and that's really about it. And I guess, I guess Chris Herndon, if you're a, a Herndon truther, but there's literally nobody else here. So Robbie Anderson got traded away. So he's going to have every opportunity to succeed. And like you said, he checks off all the boxes and metrics in terms of prototypical size and speed and and uh, breakout rating and whatnot. So I like the pick. Absolutely. Yeah, if Sam Darnold will stop seeing ghosts this year, who knows? Maybe him and Mims could have a nice connection going forward. Yeah, and and, and they upgrade their offensive line a little bit uh, through the draft and through free agency. So really depends on Sam Darnold here. They did upgrade their O-line. Yeah, it's going to be a make or break year for him for sure. So, uh, of course, the 112, which was originally DJ's pick, um, got traded to Mingyu, and Mingyu selects this person named Zach Moss. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I hear he's a running back. So to preface this, Mingyu does own Devin Singletary. So I get the pick. Um, if he was really hell-bent on taking Zach Moss, I feel like he probably could have tried to trade back a few more spots and, and take him. Um, I did like Zach Moss as a prospect out of Utah, obviously very productive, but um, uh, yeah, question the, uh, the pick at, at this spot, at least when you could have taken a uh, Pittman or Higgins or even maybe Chase Claypool or IU or any, any one of these guys in front of him. But um, 
uh, I, I definitely get the idea of wanting to handcuff him, but kind of question what's going to happen with that backfield. You know, this is kind of like that DeAndre Swift pick, um, but uh, at least DeAndre Swift has the uh, the uh, the prospect profile and whatnot. Uh, Zach Moss, not really sure what he's going to be in the NFL, but um, again, don't don't hate the pick, but I feel like he could have traded back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, I kind of understand why he took him. Uh, I well, yeah, you understand because you did the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I understand the you know thought process, but um, obviously Zach Moss is nowhere near the same um, running back that DeAndre Swift is. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but I would have loved to have taken any one of this uh, second tier of wide receiver. I think T. Higgins was still available, Ayuk, Pittman. Um, I mean, even Brian Edwards, um, I probably would have taken over Zach Moss. Um, okay, let's not get too crazy. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn was also available there. Hey, maybe that's just what happens when you have you know, CMC on your roster. You just feel like you could do whatever. Like, yeah, I'm going to take Zach Moss whenever. Who cares? I'm rich. <laughs> well, I hope that works out, Mingyu. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's never going to end up starting him, right? So, um, you know, I guess as long as uh, CMC stays healthy. So uh, maybe the point is moot, but we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, we've seen, we've seen time and time again situations where handcuffs not even handcuffs like it's either a handcuff or a potential uh, uh pathway to a starter gets passed up and then it's the shittiest feeling in the world when you have a chance to draft him you decide to pass up on him and he turns into something good so i get it but yeah i think it's a little little, little early for zach moss so just to recap the first round we have dan taking clyde edwards hilaire with the one-on-one the 102 han takes jt brian lee takes J.K. Dobbins at the 103. The 104, Hyun goes C.D. Lamb, followed by Jerry Judy via Jemin at the 105 slot. DJ at the 106 takes Swift. 107 goes to Mike Akers. 108, Justin Jefferson going to Team Jemin. And then Raygor with the 109 to Danny Yoon. Dan takes Henry Ruggs at the 110. 111, B.K. Mims. And then... Mingyu, Zach Moss at the 112. So to kick off the second round, so this was uh, the 201 that originally belonged to Dan, but of course I acquired this pick. Um, and so, you know, I selected Keyshawn Vaughn here. Really, my feelings towards Keyshawn are kind of similar to the player himself because, I mean, I, I don't really love this pick. I don't really love Keyshawn, but I like it. Um, and, you know, Keyshawn, he's also not amazing at anything but he is in my opinion just highly competent you know he can play zone no problem gap no problem he sets up blocks really well he has quick cutbacks good speed good acceleration you know nothing like out of this world but you know um he just minimizes mistakes um you know he's not super super fast or anything he ran a four five forty um but his if I were to say what's something about him that's elite, it's actually his stamina. You know, he is able to hit his top gear, and if he can, he can actually sustain that for a long time. And so he actually, if you watch his tape, you know, his longer runs, 
they don't come from being able to outjuke someone in the in the first level or anything. They actually come just from his ability to sustain his speed, and uh, it beats the pursuit angles of the secondary. But the best part, the reason why I really took him was he's very good at pass protection. He has great technique against the blitz. He blocks really well. And uh, he goes, of course, to Tampa Bay, who also took an O-line. I mean, they got Tristan Wirfs at pick number 13 because the Raiders reached for rugs. Um, they end up with a generational offensive line talent. So they have Wharfs now and Marpet. They have solid O-line. And yeah, you know, I know they have Ronald McDonald's, Rojo, Jones. But, you know, they took Keyshawn with a day two pick. And with Tom Brady there, they're not going to feel the running back that Tom doesn't feel 100% comfortable with. And if you can't pass protect <clears throat> Rojo, <clears throat> then, you know, you're going to put in the running back who can actually protect Mr. Tom Brady. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting here since uh, Danny owns Ronald Jones. So yeah. let's let's hear your thoughts here on this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I probably would have taken Keyshawn Vaughn here as well. Um, I am not very high on either player this year. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I think Arians is going to air it out as often as possible, um, you know, with all their weapons there, with Gronk, uh, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, of course, Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Evans. So um, I think the rushing upside as it is, is going to be capped in Tampa Bay um, if Bruce Arians is able to run the offense that he would like to run. But I mean, you know, let's be real though. They're running Tom Brady's offense here. This is Tom Brady's team. They're going to do whatever Tom Brady wants to do. Right, right. I think the point of Keyshawn Vaughn being the best pass protecting back in this class is a very good one. And that's his clear um, line to playing time uh, immediately in year one. But yeah, again, I honestly, it's not even a thing where I'm like, oh yeah, Ronald Jones is going to run away with the job or he's he's better. I think you know, just in general, it's going to be a committee there. Neither of them, I think by design are going to be uh, fed like 250 or 300 carries uh, as it is. So, you know, I mean, you know, you know, good pick for especially uh, the beginning of the second round. Um, and uh, we'll see, you know, how it all plays out. Well, since we've established that Ronald Jones sucks, <laughs> uh, DJ, why don't you trade him to me? <laughs> uh, uh, no. I like Ronald Jones. <laughs> I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for Ronald Jones, um, just because of how just his how terrible he looked in year one, just like completely irredeemable, terrible player um, to just becoming slightly average last year. Um, you know who knows, who knows? Like I'll hold on to him for a little while longer. Do you remember the videos during his rookie year where he would have? literally three wide open holes in front of him. And then the result of the play is like lots of yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was a, that, that was just tough to watch, but I mean, you know, you saw the results right away after your, you know, they got rid of Dirk Cutter um, and brought in Bruce Arians. Um, you know, he actually looked like, Oh, you look like a, 
actual running back or you've played the running back position before. So again, I am I am in no way saying that Ronald Jones is better than Keyshawn Vaughn in any way. I just think that in general, it's, you know, just like the Patriots backfield. You know what I mean? Like it's you're it's gonna be hard to say who's gonna have a bigger role from week to week. Some weeks it's gonna be all passes out of the backfield. Other weeks, um, you know, they both might get some play. So uh I personally would stay away from this situation, but uh I mean Ronald Jones probably not gonna be there in a year or two. So um if Keyshawn Vaughn can just get in there right away and produce. Um, yeah. I mean, he could easily win the job there. Yeah. And you know, I will say that if it wasn't for the fact that I had multiple second round picks, um, I would definitely, and if I only had one pick in this range, I definitely would have taken one of these wide receivers here. Um, cause I do like them a lot, but because Zach Moss went before me, I knew I can take Keyshawn here. Because for me, Keyshawn, after the first big five running backs, he is kind of in this running back tier on his own. And then the next tier, which for me starts with Zach Moss, I felt comfortable taking Keyshawn here knowing I can get the one of the wide receivers that I really wanted a little bit later on. Han had the second pick in the second round, and he takes Brandon Ayuk. Uh, of course, he takes Brandon Ayuk. San Francisco 49ers. He's explosive. He has his burst score is like 90th percentile or something. He's like, and he was a special team star. But I mean, gosh, his breakout age is over 21 years old. You just really hate to see that. That's a that's devastating to his prospect numbers and just a really really late breakout. Um, it's because of the fact that he started in JUCO. But hey, you know, getting a real life first round wide receiver at the 202 i mean boy can't really argue with the value there yeah i mean brandon Ayuk. um i think we have a clear picture of what shanahan is trying to build he's basically just creating a stable of yak monsters out there in san francisco um you know debo samuel is there people forget jalen hurd uh is also there um, he got injured last year, but he's also going to be one of those big prototypical slot receivers, I feel like. Um, and then Brandon Ayuk, he's going to be there as well. They're going to make that offense, you know, it's going to be running the ball, but also getting the ball off of, you know, bubble screens, screens, um, just creating, scheming his receivers open and giving them opportunities for after the catch yards. That's the only problem, though. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to say if he's going to be the number one guy. I think Debo Samuel had a great year last year. So for now, he's the de facto number one there. You know, we'll see. Um, I do think I did like, uh, and this is a player that you eventually uh, ended up getting. I did like T Higgins here or possibly Michael Pittman, but like, maybe that, you know, that Niner homerism is pretty strong in our league. So, you know, can't hate on the pick. Yeah. And he had Brian Lee picking after him. So I'm sure he thought that would have something to do with it. But like, like you said, um, I think that with San Francisco, they already have George Kittle there established. They have Debo who kind of broke out last year. So if, if you think Brandon Ayuk is going to beat out Debo for fantasy relevance, then sure, I think this is a good pick. But I have a hard time believing that 
even with Kyle Shanahan there, that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to support all three of these guys, especially on top of that with their run game. If you look at like Kansas City, even with Patrick Mahomes, you know, in terms of fantasy relevance, they support Travis Kelsey, they support Tyree Kill, and that's about it. Everybody else kind of just uh, cannibalizes each other in their receiving core. And I kind of see that here. Uh, I actually think that if anything, this is bad for Debo Samuel. I, I feel like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are just going to cannibalize each other's target share and touches and whatnot. But uh, we'll see kind of how it pans mm-hmm. out. Yeah, so Brian Lee is quietly having a really good draft at this point. He takes Pittman with his uh, second pick in the 2020 draft at the third pick of the second round. Um, I like it. You know, I think Pittman's a great pick here for him. Yeah, I think um, little shades of Vincent Jackson, especially with Philip Rivers going to Indy. I think if it were me, I probably would have taken T. Higgins just slightly over Michael Pittman just because he gets to start his career with Joe Burrow and... Who knows how long he'll he'll go throughout with Joe Burrow. But uh, Michael Pittman, again, not saying he's going to be a bad player or anything, but the question mark will be what happens when Philip Rivers is possibly gone in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I really liked Pittman as a uh, wide receiver. Um, like you were saying, he's feels that really long, tall, fast, deep threat um, that Philip Rivers have, has always liked in his career. I, you know, after watching him as a Chargers fan for the past couple of years, though, I'm kind of, I'm not sure how much of, you know, how much he can sustain a deep shot type of offense at this point of his career. I think that, and again, he, who knows how long he's going to even be there um, before they have to try to find another quarterback. Um, so I do like him. I think uh, he's going to, have a good chance at, you know, playing across from uh, T.Y. Hilton and uh, learning from there. But we'll see. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen in the next couple years. He's definitely a great pick here. I would have also taken T. Higgins here. You know, he happened to fall into Arthur's lap in the next pick. So the 204 is a pick that I acquired from Hyun. And I get the wide receiver that I would have taken at the 201 anyways. T. Higgins, super excited about the combination of not of him and Joe Burrow. They get to grow together and stay together. I mean, John Ross is a joke. And, um, you know, on the Bengals forums, they actually refer to John Ross as the Bengals version of Tavon Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, A.J. Green, he's... I mean, you know, I love A.J. Green, but he's probably not going to be there. He's not long for the Bengals after this year. Look, you know, Higgins comes up from Clemson. We know how Clemson does with their wide receivers. Uh, his style-wise is actually a lot like A.J. Green. It's very fitting that he is the de facto heir apparent. But, you know, T. Higgins is slightly beefier because, you know, he they're both 6'4", but T. Higgins is a good, you know, 5'10", uh, sometimes 15 pounds. Um, he's like... In Devi leagues, he was that blue chip guy, right? He was that five-star recruit out of high school, top 15 rank. Um, he had a little bit of a slow start as a true freshman, but then, you know, he comes out in 2018 with 940 yards, 70% catch rate, 12 touchdowns on the season. And then 2019, of course, 59 receptions, um, 1167 yards 74 percent catch rate 14 touchdowns and this is an offense they're running pro style offense they have a pro quarterback um but of course they also have you know they have eddie in there they have um 
you know, Justin Ross, who we just heard is going to be suffering from uh, health issues for this upcoming season and possibly his career. But, you know, that offense was stacked. And T. Higgins, I mean, this guy, he has a 30% dominator rating. It's great. He has a breakout age of 19 years old. You know, T. Higgins was like a basketball stud. And we know how basketball translates well. And you can see it in the way that he attacks the football on a lot of these contested catches. But the main thing for me is that T. Higgins plays every level of the field. He is not a outside receiver or just inside. I mean, you watch him, he's getting sweeps, he's getting screens, bubbles, he's getting the clear outs, he's getting the nines, he's getting the comebacks, he's getting the slants, the curls. He's that sit in the end zone and wait for the catch type of guy. He can play everything and I think it's going to be really fun to watch him and Joe Burrow. You know, I expect he may not do much this year, maybe, but after that, I'm really expecting him to take off. I think the only thing that concerned me when I watched him was possibly separation, but there was some insane stat with, with T Higgins where, cause like you said, he already had some beefy stats from college last year, but uh, it was something about him. Uh, most of his stats coming from uh, the first half of all of Clemson games, which, you know, basically means that uh, he didn't play much in the second half because they'd usually be blowing people out. So I think that says a lot. Um, but you could also counteract that with uh, the offense that he was in. But the, the fact that he produced all that um, within the first half of most of these games, uh, yeah, he's probably going to fucking suck. So who cares? <laughs> yeah, Clemson rested their starters most of the time in the fourth quarter because they were just so good. Um, so, you know, that's one quarter of production opportunity that he had less of every single game this season. With the next pick, Jemin takes Chanel. I don't really know how I feel about this, to be honest with you. Yeah, probably the most polarizing player in this whole draft. Um, had a had a high draft ranking uh, before this year and obviously had a lot of injuries uh, throughout the year. Even at the combine, he had an injury. So I'm a little scared with him because he seems like he can be a sort of a gadget player. I think the situation that he ended up in is pretty good, though. He has all the measurables. The injury history is a little scary as well, but... I get nightmares of uh, Cordero Patterson whenever I think of LaVisca. I don't think he's going to be Cordero, but the little signs and uh, it kind of scares me a little bit just seeing him. Yeah, I mean, it's the injury issues, obviously not ideal. He did get a nice uh, jolt of draft capital when he was taken by the Jaguars there in the second round. Um, you know, the, I'm not sure like what his upside is in that offense, you know, Gardner Minshew looks like he's going to be the guy there, but you know, they had DJ Chark who broke out last year, not really a lot behind him. You know, we'll see, you know, we'll see what kind of role he carves out of there, but just in general, I'm not expecting, you know, a blow up passing offense there. So, you know, we'll see if he can stay healthy at the next level. Uh, he might have a good chance uh, eventually, you know, if that, if everyone there, ends up developing we'll see it's i mean i'm not really excited about that offense jets or the jags but i think it's still good value in the mid-second round for lavisca um now chase claypool goes with the uh, 206 this was originally mingus pick but danny Yoon traded up back into the second round to take claypool here yeah i mean claypool he's um uh, he's a tight end yeah he's like Projected to be a big wide receiver, tight end. He's 6'4", 230. I think a lot of it came from, you know, the whole idea of 
the Steelers drafting a wide receiver uh, based on how much success they've had in scouting wide receivers. He's another big target for Big Ben, who loves having that big wide receiver out there for you know the the red zone, uh, or you know he could just toss it up there. Um, you know he's. Claypool's a very athletic guy. You know, his metrics are 442 at 6'4, 230, which is great. I don't know how it's going to play out in terms of how many targets he's going to get. Um, but obviously, in that offense, he can have an opportunity at some of those really high value targets, you know, those, those deep shots, um, you know, in the end zone, things like that. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, I think it's a good bet, you know, hopefully. Uh, but, and this is something that I've worried about because I have a couple other receivers in the Pittsburgh um, receiving core with Deontay and Juju. Uh, how long is Ben going to be the quarterback there? You know, he's had rumblings, made hints that he's going to retire in past years. Um, you know, this year he's coming back from a UCL tear, which, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to have the same uh, velocity and zip on the ball. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how that all plays out. But, you know, good pick here with uh, Claypool. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He showed off at the combine. He was teammates with Miles Boykin, right? It kind of reminds me a lot of Miles Boykin, actually. You know, he definitely needs some issues with consistency, but hey, if anyone can make it work, it's probably the Steelers. Um, I like what they did with Deontay Johnson uh, last year. So um, so we'll see. A.J. Dillon is the next pick that goes to Jemin at the 107. Oh, this was originally Mike's pick, but I don't think Mike picks again for the rest of this entire draft. Not to the fourth. Yikes. Not too far away. Yeah, a little bit of a yikes there. Um, but yeah, AJ Dillon, uh, goes to green Bay. I am, uh, uh, I, I own Aaron Jones and, uh, Jamal Williams and the rest of the green Bay backfield there. But I think at this pick, this is a good pick. Uh, I'm not sure what he's going to be in that offense. I don't know if the floor sees him as Derrick Henry or if he just sees him possibly as a Jamal Williams replacement. I feel like with the year Aaron Jones had last year, he's obviously due for some regression, but they can't just ignore that and expect A.J. Dillon to step into some sort of primary workhorse back or anything like that. I feel like, if anything, Jamal Williams is a big loser here. But um, again, I don't think that matters. But we'll, we'll see how it really depends on what LaFleur has planned for this. Um, I think, if anything, uh, Aaron Jones will get some of his goal line touches vultured here. But we'll find out. Yeah, I guess LaFleur, you know, identified his new Derrick Henry in the draft. He spent a second round pick drafting AJ Dillon. Um, you know, that it I'm wondering what that offense is gonna look like this year. Um, especially since they famously did not even select one wide receiver in their entire draft. So they're gonna go in with uh Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard, uh, who else is there? Um, you know, some other kind of role player receivers. Obviously, they are going to run the ball. You know, Aaron Jones had a great year last year, um, but I think we all can understand he's probably due for a little bit of TD regression. Um, and with the pick of A.J. Dillon here, yeah, I mean, I could see him taking over goal line work uh, just depending on 
you know, what the vision is there, but they're definitely going to end up splitting carries. Uh, it's definitely bad news as an Aaron Jones owner, unfortunately, but we'll see how it all plays out, especially this year that Jamal Williams is still there in with Aaron Jones. Did Aaron Jones get a contract yet? No, he's, I think he's up uh, after this year. So we'll, we'll find out what happens with his contract situation. I really wouldn't be surprised if he gets re-signed. I feel like this move might have been maybe playing into something with Rodgers' uh, age. And I don't think they want to rely too much on him as the next two or three years go on. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a non-zero chance that he ends up being the only signed running back in yeah, a year, absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, they might draft another running back next year. So uh, we'll, you know, we'll see it's crowded right now, but um, I think they definitely took him with a vision that they want to give him uh, significant carries right away. You know, we'll see how it all plays out and um, you know, definitely probably at this point you want to, just take a bet with the high draft capital or the highest draft capital of the remaining uh, running backs here uh, with uh, offense run by Aaron Rodgers. I think somebody said that um, if LeBron was to play running back, then he'd be AJ Dillon. So I guess that's not a bad comp. (laughs) Probably stupid comp, but... (laughs) (laughs) All I know about AJ Dillon is that dude is... Big. He's a big dude. Yeah, he, looks, big. He, <laughs> he looks like a big truck. That's my that's my hot take on AJ Dillon. He's a big dude, and he runs forward really well. So uh, maybe that's all you need. So the two hundred eight is my pick, and uh, this was actually a pretty tough uh, pick for me because I was going between two players that I really liked, and of course the player that I didn't take ended up going right after. Um, and so, you know, going between Brian Edwards or Antonio Gibson, um, it was tough. And, you know, probably Edwards will end up having the better career. But Antonio Ground, <clears throat> but Antonio Gibson, this guy is super intriguing. I mean, you know, of course, there's a question of, hey, is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? You know, to be clear, the Redskins, they drafted him as a running back. He's going to be a running back on MLF. He's going to be a running back on ESPN. Um, he's going to be a running back and, um, but he's also going to be a wide receiver. And I think he just has this, you know, really intriguing blend of that speed with power and size. Um, he could play receiver well, and he can play running back well. Um, and, you know, especially with the Redskins, of course, they have the legend himself, Adrian Peterson. Um, but, hey, you know, he's 35. And guys, has guys ever stayed on the field for like more than, you know, two games at a time? Bryce Love, I mean, this guy, he's, that knee injury he had in college was just yikes. I mean, who knows if he'll ever even really play again. So Gibson, definitely the opportunity is there, possibly, right? Um, and, uh, and you know, this is the regime, not, I'm not saying that Gibson will be like CMC, but this is the regime that made CMC before coming from Carolina down to Washington. So they definitely know how to use a receiving type of running back and they can try to scheme him in similar ways. Um, but yeah, hopefully he'll be one of those. Uh, he'll be in a situation where he's a good football player and too valuable to kind of get take off the field. So, um, But I really do like 
Mingus picked next at the 209 of Brian Edwards. Yeah, um, Antonio Gibson, uh, interesting interesting case. You know, uh, he didn't have a true kind of breakout in college. Um, you know, the last year he was playing, uh, he only had 33 rush attempts uh, and 38 receptions. But it does show his versatility. You know, he can catch the ball very well. Um and even on the 33 carries, he had an 11.2 yard per carry, so obviously explosive. Um, I I think that it is an interesting kind of backfield that he goes into. Um, we'll see kind of how it all plays out there. Uh, it's obviously crowded, but he has as good a chance of it as anyone, you know, at breaking out there. Um, he runs a four, three, nine. Um, he has a great speed score, great burst score. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those lotto tickets that you start taking in the mid second round and, uh, you, know, you hope they hit in a year or two. Yeah. And I think with, uh, the next pick with Brian Edwards, uh, I loved him coming out of South Carolina. Uh, I thought he could definitely profile as a prototypical X receiver. And, uh, when he went to the Raiders, they pretty much came out and said the exact same thing. They said that they see him as, as his, uh, outside X receiver. So, um, the, the, the depth chart there is open for him. Uh, he should get some targets there and uh, have every opportunity to produce. So Dan, picks again here at the 210 again this is originally richard's pick but goes to dan uh and he takes kj hamler yeah just to add on to earlier with jerry judy and his situation we completely forgot to even mention kj hamler and um he did get taken with the 46 overall pick so he he has a draft capital um but like we said earlier uh, the situations that are muddled there we're kind of putting you know, all our chips uh, in with, with Drew Locke, if you're a Drew Locke believer. But not only if you are a Drew Locke believer, there's so many mouths to feed in that in that offense there. We're not really sure who's going to come out on top. And KJ Hamler definitely has a shot as well. Right. I mean, he's uh, definitely a very dynamic player, um, very fast, um, you know, crazy agility. But Again, there's going to be a limit on how many targets there are to go around. Sutton is the established number one there, but Judy by its by himself is going to demand a certain amount of targets. Uh, Fant is there still. Albert O was added, and now you have KJ Hamler. Um, and at the same time, you know they have Mel- they paid a lot of money for Melvin Gordon this off season. You know uh, Philip Lindsay's still there, so uh, I think they still want to keep a balanced running game. So that really, I I really don't see even in the next couple years, um, you know, a path for KJ Hamler to become, um, you know, much more than maybe like a WR three, uh, but. You know, we'll see. You know, he can, uh, he has as good a chance as any at uh, carving out a role there. But uh, I just don't see, you know, the upside, um, unfortunately, in the next few years. So to end off the second round here, uh, BK takes Tua, followed by DJ taking Joe Burrow. Um, Yeah, the top quarterbacks are finally off the board here. Um, Let me tell you why I love Tua's pick. You know, Tua is one of the most efficient yards per attempt in college of all time. Like he, uh, two of his wide receivers were drafted in the first round and um, 
and yeah, you know, to, to getting to it before Joe Burrow, I think that's correct. You know, one year ago, this goes for a lot of the LSU skill players, um, but you know, nobody knew anyone in that LSU offense. Like nobody knew Clyde Edwards, no one knew Joe Burrow, no one was even talking about Jefferson. LSU offense was just mm, whatever. And then, of course, you know, after uh, Brady comes to town, they revamp and they become this record-breaking offense. But um, so I think there are a lot of definite question marks with Burrow. But Tua has been doing this. Um, you know, he has two years. In his two years, his touchdown to interception ratio is 76 to 9. You know, putting 190 rush yards, five rushing TDs in 2018, and four thousand yards he threw for four thousand yards with josh jacobs damian harris and Najee harris and tua puts up a 70 percent completion rate four thousand yards he got a really really bad injury super unlucky but if he recovers from that i don't think that it's something that necessarily puts him at risk for future uh issues or future risk in that hip um, if he recovers well and he goes to the Dolphins like I mean we saw how um, you know finally there was a there was a breakout from Devontae Parker and of course Preston Williams with this playboy bunny tooth uh, was tearing it up too before he had his ACL tear and you know the Dolphins drafted uh, Robert Hunt monster offense alignment in the second round it's kind of crazy that he fell to the second actually and they already had taken a tackle in the earlier round so they're going to take care of Tua they're going to bring him in slowly they're going to develop him but I got to say you know I really like Burrow at the 212 position too you know he's got great draft capital of course going one number one overall and he's uh, going in a place where he's got T Higgins he has AJ Green for a year and they have a, a very interesting offensive uh, mind and their uh, coach Zach Taylor as well so I think it'll be really interesting to watch both of these quarterbacks yeah I mean when I took Joe Burrow there it wasn't really I considered it a best player available type of thing. I thought he had the highest chance at increasing his value amongst the available players there. I was thinking Darrington Evans. I was also thinking possibly Anthony, Anthony McFarland. But in the end, I just took Joe, even though I, uh, I have uh, Lamar and Dak and Matt Stafford. And you know we are still a one quarterback league, so that deflates the value of uh, some of these quarterbacks. But just in general, I mean, he put down a historic, uh, you know, college year historic. production. Yeah, uh, sixty touchdowns, six interceptions. Yeah, over five thousand yards, and um, he. You know, he makes throws at all levels of the field. Um, he's great in the pocket, but he's also great on the run. Um, and I think he'll step in there. And they drafted some weapons too. You know, AJ Green is still there for this year. They drafted T. Higgins. They have uh, Mixon. Uh, Boyd is there as well. Um, and so I think he, even for this year, he has a good chance of having a decent production. But I am excited just to see him uh, develop in the league. I think he has a great chance at, you know, having a great career. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Um, in terms of just in general in fantasy, uh, to be honest, I hope that at some point he does develop 
and he gets to the point where maybe I can trade him, uh, get some value there. But you never know. I mean, you know, Lamar is a running quarterback, so you should always have a backup plan. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow definitely, I mean, you know, we, all three of us have watched him play a lot. We've won money betting on him a lot last year. Um, He definitely passes the eye test. He's got great footwork. Anything under 40 yards, he is just pinpoint accurate. He can thread those tight windows under pressure. And of course, you know, with, uh, with Brady there, they ran like a true pro style offense. Um, I think we're going to see something that really resembles, you know, McVay's offense when he went to the Rams. Um, and so I imagine an offense as similar to how the Rams offense took the league by surprise, except with a better quarterback upgraded from Goff. I think that's what I anticipate from Joe Burrow. So hopefully Burrow and T Higgins will become a dynamic duo for years to come. Yeah. I mean, I hope for that as well. That would be, um, you know, the best possible scenario for sure. Well, that was uh, in very interesting and fun first two rounds. I think uh, just talking about some of the players we were getting in the second round just goes to show. Like, I feel like I've got a first round wide receiver in the in the in the early mid second round, and I think that just uh, says a lot about the value that could be had in this year's draft. Yeah, definitely a deep, deep draft. You saw um, round one prospects at wide receiver, uh, go in the second round, sometimes in the late second round. Um, and, uh, I think that that was a good thing overall for our league. It made it interesting. You know, there was a lot of different ways people could have gone at every step. And, uh, you know, at this point it's just, you know, I can't wait for the season to start. Hopefully we do have a season this year. Um, and, uh, just so we can see all our players and, uh, really see if we were right. Yeah, it would suck if you didn't have like a second and a third round pick this year, you know, like that would be the worst year to not have the draft picks. Right, Mike? (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, it was, um, it was a little torturous uh, going through this, through this draft and, um, you know, it's what what you get. Hey, at least you got to, at least you got to pick someone in the first round and you got your guy. At least I got to pick someone and I'm glad at least I got, I feel like I got a pretty good value at that pick. So I can't, I can't complain. Well, we'll be back again soon. We'll continue on with with our rookie draft coverage and then also talk about some other stuff going on in our league. We have a lot of changes that have happened and will be happening this year um, with our rules. And so shout out to Commissioner Danny Yoon um, and, uh, and everyone else in our league. It's always fun drafting with you guys. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. 